This is The Irrelevant, a podcast about finding the deeper meaning of seemingly useless information. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today's episode is The Biggest Loophole in America. So the last episode, we talked about the loopholes in our legal system that allow the truly wealthy people in America to remain wealthy and never, ever get taxed. And that was all very uplifting for everyone, right? (laughs) Actually, sorry about that. I know it was a little bit of a bummer, but I mean, it was informative, right? But today we're going to keep on talking about loopholes, except this one is much, much more accessible and one in which you could potentially get away with anything, not just not paying taxes. But it all depends on how much of a pain in the butt you want to be. But still, this thing is pretty crazy. And I thought just on this whole apparent series on how weird and dumb our legal system is, let's talk a little bit about the Yellowstone zone of death. So our story begins with the Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution. It was ratified in 1791. It's part of the Bill of Rights, and it reads as follows, quote, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed which district shall have been previously ascertained by law and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against them, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. End quote. When I was growing up, I just called this the right to a speedy trial, but as you can see, it secures so many more rights with all of its clauses. Um, there's the speedy trial one, but there's, you know, a public trial, an impartial jury, notice of accusation, there's a confrontation clause, which was an argument against red light cameras. But the one I want to focus on for this episode is the vicinage clause. The clause that says that the accused shall be entitled to an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. So when a person commits a crime and it goes to a trial, the jury must be from the same state and from the same district where the crime was committed. Makes sense, right? And according to Michigan State University law professor Brian C. Colt, one of the main reasons behind this vicinage clause was, quote, because of a law that brought British soldiers who killed colonists back to England for trial and other laws that removed colonist trial to England, end quote. So this was like a big grievance back in the colony days where soldiers would commit crimes against colonists in the colonies, but their trial and their juries would be from England and everything would happen in England. So it was not a fair trial because the people in England didn't really care. Like it didn't really affect them, right? So the vicinage clause made it so that the the jury would be from wherein the crime was committed, both the state and the district. And this concept of a local jury was one of the things that the revolution was all about, right? Again, local jury from the state and the district. That's the vicinage clause. So that's the law or part of the law or our constitutional protection um, that, that kind of ties into this loophole. But that part is the reason why the loophole exists, the whole vicinage clause. So... Let's get into Yellowstone. Yellowstone National Park is one of the treasures of this country. It's 
stunningly beautiful and now has a healthy wolf population. It's got Old Faithful, which is due for an extinction level explosion sometime soon. I mean, overall, it's a great place. Anyway, Yellowstone is mostly in the state of Wyoming. However, 9% of the park overflows into two other states. We're talking about 260 square miles that overflow into Montana and about 50 square miles that overflow into Idaho. Now, this happened because Yellowstone National Park was established in 1872, which was before Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming became states, which that happened in 1889 for Montana and in 1890 for Idaho and Wyoming. So Yellowstone as a thing existed before these three states. And when the states were admitted into the union and created, it just so happened that Yellowstone National Park overflowed into these two other states, right? Um, so this overflowing of a national park into three different states and the vicinage clause of the Sixth Amendment are what creates the biggest loophole. And the person who discovered this is someone whom I've already quoted in this episode. That's Michigan State University law professor Brian C. Colt, who talked and went in depth into this whole zone of death issue in an essay he wrote for the Georgetown Law Journal entitled, quote, The Perfect Crime, end quote. And I'm going to link it in the show notes. If you want to read all of it, it's, it's pretty good. He goes really, really in depth into the what the perfect crime is, how the state would currently try and prosecute someone who commits it and how they actually could. It's, it's all very, very good. Um, and it'll be in the show notes. Um, so Professor Colt was looking at all the technicalities of the Sixth Amendment and maybe looking at a map or something, but he discovered that there is in fact a zone of Yellowstone National Park where one could theoretically commit any crime and get away with it. So even though Yellowstone goes into three states, the entirety of Yellowstone National Park is under the jurisdiction of the District Court of Wyoming. That's the entire park, even the parts that overflow to the other states. The districts of Montana and Idaho were defined to exclude the parts of those states that were in Yellowstone, and the District of Wyoming is the only one that goes into multiple states. So that's kind of unique. So that's important background knowledge here because Here's how it'll happen. And I'm going to quote straight from Professor Kalt's essay here, so bear with me. In it, he wrote, quote, Say that you are in the Idaho portion of Yellowstone and you decide to spice up your vacation by going on a crime spree. You make some moonshine, you poach some wildlife, you strangle some people and steal their picnic blankets. You are arrested arraigned in the park, and bound over for trial in Cheyenne, Wyoming, before a jury drawn from the Cheyenne area. But Article 3, Section 2, aka the Vicinage Clause, plainly requires that the trial be held in Idaho, the state in which the crime was committed. Perhaps if you fuss convincingly enough about it, the state would be sent to Idaho, but the Sixth Amendment then requires that the jury be from the state, Idaho, and the district, Wyoming, in which the crime was committed. In other words, the jury would have to be drawn from the Idaho portion of Yellowstone National Park, which, according to the 2000 census, has a population of precisely zero. The Montana portion, should you choose your rampage there, has an adult population of a few dozen, which might nevertheless present Sixth Amendment problems as well. 
end quote. So that was a bit of a mouthful, but here's what it boils down to. Because the vicinage clause says that the jury must be from the same district and state, that requirement can't be met. Because even though the crime happened in the Wyoming district, it happened in the state of Idaho. So the jury must live in both the district of Wyoming and the state of Idaho, meaning in that tiny little sliver of land of Idaho that is both Idaho and Yellowstone National Park. And nobody lives there. Thus, no jury can be put together. Thus, no trial. Thus, the perfect crime. And you can get away with it. And it'll all be perfectly legal because of this weird vicinage clause in which the jury must be from the same state and district and this unique little chunk of land where nobody lives that is in one state but in another district. And that's the whole loophole right there, which is pretty crazy and pretty unique. And Professor Colt just found it by being fastidious or just having a lot of extra time. Anyway, I really like that he discovered this because these are the kinds of things that, that I love to talk about and share with you guys. Be careful, though, because Professor Colt goes into ways that one could get punished. For example... If the crimes are not entirely committed in the Idaho portion, you could get you could get busted. And here's some examples. Uh, let's say you or an associate buy supplies outside of that uninhabited part of Idaho. Then you could get charged for committing conspiracy elsewhere. Or if you brought a gun with you, you could have committed some firearm violation in any territory along the way. Or they could charge you for something small that doesn't require a jury trial, like some misdemeanor or something like that. Or... It could be a civil case, which also doesn't require a trial, or the law could just be interpreted in a sane and logical way, which would be a novel solution, right? So here's what Professor Colt says on the matter, quote, the Yellowstone loophole only exists if one takes a hyper-literalistic view of the Sixth Amendment. The purpose of the Sixth Amendment's vicinage requirements is to prevent federal prosecutors from shopping for an anti-defendant venue and drawing the jury from there. An overlapping purpose is to guarantee that communities govern themselves in the criminal justice process through jury participation, deciding for themselves what is and is not a crime in their own backyards as opposed to someone else's. End quote. So really some logical interpretation where it's just like, oh no, well, this is a state and a, and a district, whatever. It's just like, just draw it from the district, right? Some logical interpretation could fix this, but guess what? Like most things with the federal government, nothing has been done about it. So since 2005, when this was exposed, the feds have done nothing about it. But also no one's really tried to commit a serious crime in that little sliver of Idaho or Montana. But it almost happened in 2009. So back then, a man named Michael Belderain illegally shot an elk in the Montana section of Yellowstone. And that section of the park does have enough res residents to form a jury. It was difficult to put together a standing and fair one due to travel or unwillingness of the members of the small population to serve on the jury, right? So a federal judge ruled that Belderain could be tried in the U.S. District court for the district of wyoming despite the sixth amendment problem and our hunter brought up professor Colt's paper as to why he believed it was illegal to have his trial with a jury from a state 
other than where the crime was committed, but the court dismissed the argument. So the court was like, nope, that that's not valid or whatever. Um, so this could have been fought. This could have been uh, taken to the circuit court or whatever. But Veldering took a plea deal and it was conditioned on him not appealing the zone of death issue to the 10th circuit. So that's as far as it's gone. He took a plea deal. But the zone of death is theoretically still a thing. And I just wanted to talk about this because, again, it highlights how our system of laws isn't as formidable as we have been taught in many ways. It's very rigid. There are a lot of loopholes. There are a lot of technicalities, a lot of little things which can allow for truly not strictly illegal, but also not entirely moral acts, kind of like avoiding taxes or potentially committing a murder in this tiny little sliver of Idaho and getting away with it. Um, and if it wasn't for people that really take a look into it, I mean, who's to prevent someone from taking advantage of it, right? Um, but isn't this loophole a whole lot more fun than uh, Bezos paying less taxes than a McDonald's worker? Um, I think it is. And I, I probably think you do too. But anyway, keep an eye out for the zone of death in any crimes that occur in Yellowstone National Park. Or go set up a nebulously illegal but technically not illegal gambling ring there and make some money. But don't say I told you to do that because then you're consp you're committing conspiracy. So delete this podcast and forget you ever listened to it. But yeah, that's it. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry that this one was a little late. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was a little bit more fun than being bummed out by billionaires not paying taxes. But if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Follow us on Twitter at Irrelevant Pods or on Instagram. The links are in the show notes. And hey, if you get something out of this podcast, there's also a tip jar link if you want to send a dollar or whatever. Anything helps pay for hosting pay for the recording service that i use on other podcasts on the network um, but yeah thank you guys so much for listening and as always or4 did nothing wrong this is the irrelevant podcast network thanks for listening